All right, if you got your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Growing up, my family on my mom's side all live in, uh, or just outside of Oxford, Mississippi. Oxford is where Ole Miss is. Uh, that's kind of where my family is from. It's about an hour and a half from where I lived and where I grew up. And so uh, we would go and visit my, my grandmother and then her parents. Uh, that was my, my, my Meemaw was my grandmother and her parents were, were Mamaw and Papaw. And so when we would go to Mamaw and Papaw's house, their house was old. I don't know how old it was, but it was, I mean, my mom grew up going there as a child. Uh, remember them like wringing the heads off of chickens in the backyard and all that kind of stuff. She would tell us that story almost every time because she was terrified because a headless chicken came running at her once around the corner of the house. But anyways, we would go to this house all the time to, uh, to visit them at holidays and during the summer. And it was, a, it was an older house, but it was, it was pretty sturdy. It was, it was well kept up, except for in the bathroom. Now, the house was, was built up. It had kind of a, it uh, wasn't like a finished basement, but like a cellar area underneath the house. And so... In most areas, the, the floor was solid. You weren't worried about falling through or anything like that. But when you went into the bathroom, uh, I don't know if it's because of the water or what, but the floor had begun to, I guess, weaken. Uh, you would take a step or two into the bathroom, and it started to feel like you were on a trampoline. There was a little bit too much give in the floor. And then when they passed away, my Meemaw moved into that house, and it had only gotten worse uh, before they finally fixed it. But before they fixed it, it got to the point to where I was like, okay, if I need to go to the restroom, I'll wait till it's time to go home and stop at a gas station, because if I go into the bathroom, I might fall six feet down to the, the cellar underneath. It was that bad. The foundation was that weak. So because the foundation was weak, it impacted me even going into the room. Having a firm or a solid foundation is incredibly important, not just in, in houses and buildings, but also in our lives. And so this morning, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the foundation of faith. Let's read the passage, we'll pray, and then uh, we're just going to make our way through it. We're going to try to go through quickly uh, so we, we don't stay here all morning long. But we want to make sure that we take enough time to deal with the passage. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now. I pray that as we open up your word, as we look at your truth, Father God, I pray that you would speak uh, through your word, through the Holy Spirit, God, louder and clearer and more effectively to our hearts and our minds, God, than my voice ever could. And Father God, I pray that we would respond in loving obedience uh, to your word and to your call this morning. So in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing that I want us to see right there is that word therefore in verse 6. Therefore, uh, as you have received Christ Jesus your Lord. Now, remember, as we see the word therefore when you're studying your Bible or reading your Bible, uh, that therefore is there for a reason. It is tying what came previous to what is about to come. So Paul is tying what he has just finished talking about uh, to what he is going to transition into talking about. So he's been talking about, if you remember, the first chapter of Colossians. He's talked about uh, the, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He's talked about the greatness of Christ. He's talked about what Christ does in his 
has done in his life of the gospel and salvation. He's talked about how God has called him as a, as a minister to take the gospel out. And so the whole first chapter of Colossians has revolved around Jesus Christ. It's revolved around the gospel that Jesus Christ, he came, he died, he was buried, or he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. That's the gospel. And so um, everything in chapter 1 has dealt with the gospel. So therefore, when he writes that word, therefore, he is tying in the gospel to what does it mean once you have what he says here in verse 6, receive the gospel. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you have placed your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, what does that mean? What does that look like for us? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the idea of faith and how faith impacts our life. So today we're talking about that foundation of faith because as Paul spends these next few verses um, talking about faith and how all faith plays a part in our life, he starts with the idea of the foundation. Now before we really get into the text, let's define faith so we're all on the same page. Faith is, here's going to be our definition for the day or for the next couple of weeks. Faith is belief based on truth that leads to action. Faith is a belief in something based on truth or based on facts that leads to action or leads to uh, a change in our life, a change in who we are, a change in how we live, a change in what we value. Oftentimes we get the picture of faith in our mind as it's just this blind leap into nothingness that we have no idea, we don't know what's in front of us, uh, and so we just kind of uh, cover our eyes and we just jump out into the, into the unknown. But that's not what faith is at all. The faith that God calls us to, the faith that Scripture calls us to, is a faith built on truth. It's built on who Jesus is. It's built on who God is. It's built on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. It is built on, on all the truth and all the facts of Scripture. So when we talk about faith, we don't talk about just kind of a, a blind stumbling around into nothing. We talk about trusting what God has revealed about Himself in His Word. Now, because God is unseen, yes, sometimes there's that, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next in my life. But in the midst of that, I do have God, how God has revealed himself in his word that I can trust in. So faith is not so much about kind of knowing all the next steps of my life, but faith is about trusting in how God has revealed himself through his word and how God has revealed his son. So that's kind of our definition of faith. So as we talk about faith, that's what we're talking about. All right. So the first thing that we see in the passage is that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. In verse 6, it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, I know that's just, what, six, seven words, I think? Seven words and not, not even a full sentence. As you received Jesus Christ uh, as Lord or the Lord. But in those seven words, we have the entire gospel wrapped up in that. And in those seven words, we have the basis of our faith. In those seven words, we have how our faith is activated. In those seven words, we have the foundation of our faith. So let's just kind of go through the words. As you received... 
receive. Receive means that there has been a gift given to us. A gift that we did not earn. A gift that we could not earn. A gift that we could not buy for ourselves. It was a gift given by God. That God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the gift. The gift that we talked about last week as we talked about Christmas. And uh, the greatest gift ever given was Jesus Christ being sent to the earth to die for us. There's this gift that has been given that God calls us to receive. In John 6, Jesus says, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So this idea of receiving is here's kind of how this works. God loved us enough that he sent Jesus Christ to die in the world, to be God's declaration of love to mankind. And then God, as he works through his word, through the Holy Spirit, God begins to prompt our hearts. God begins to convict us and show us, hey, you're a sinner who needs a Savior. Because if you don't have a Savior, you're going to have to face the penalty of your sins with his death. With his, which is judgment, with his, which is hell. And so God sent His Son to take that punishment. So God begins to call us. God begins to prompt our hearts. God begins to convict us, to show us that He has uh, given us this great gift, and we have a responsibility to respond to that call. And so as He talks about receiving, that is that response that we make when God convicts us that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we turn to God in faith. So he says, as you have received then Christ Jesus, the gospel is centered around Jesus Christ, who He is. He was God in the flesh. He was God made man. He was um, God who stepped down and was 100% man while at the same time 100% God. Man being man because only man could, could pay the penalty for mankind's sin. But God because only God was holy enough and righteous enough and just enough to satisfy His own justice and righteousness and wrath towards our sin. So Jesus Christ came in perfection. No sin, no faults, no flaws. And He lived that perfect life. He died, was buried, rose again and ascended so that we might have life. Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done for us. And it says, the Lord... As we receive Jesus Christ, we don't receive Him as as an equal. We don't receive Him as just something that we say, okay, I've kind of got my fire insurance. Let me set this on the shelf and I'm good. We receive Him as Lord, meaning we surrender our life to Him. As we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we say, God, yes, You have saved me. And because You have saved me, because I recognize what You have done for me, because I am so thankful for what You have done for me and how You have loved me, me, I surrender my life to you so that now I will live my life. Not that I'm going to be perfect, but I will live my life now seeking to honor you and love you and follow you and obey you and praise you and worship you and serve you and declare your greatness to the world around me. When we receive Jesus Christ, we receive Him as Lord, but we also receive our Savior, but we also receive Him as Lord. Meaning, He becomes the King, and we become the servant. He becomes the Father, we become the child. He becomes the boss, and we're the ones that follow after Him. So the first thing we see that Jesus is the foundation of our faith. Without Jesus Christ, without the gospel, we have nothing. And so the foundation of our faith is built on 
Not our morality, not our goodness, not our church attendance, not our biblical knowledge. The foundation of our faith is built on Jesus Christ, who He is, what He has done for us, and us surrendering our life to Him as our Lord. Next, next we see that our faith impacts who we are. So verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So walk in Him. The idea here is that our faith impacts our daily life. That uh, uh, walk there, that's the idea of your daily conduct. So the idea here is that because you have received Jesus Christ as Lord... Allow that to impact and affect how you live your daily life. The decisions that you make, the the actions that you do, the words that you use, the thoughts that you think, the morals that you hold to, the values that you you cling to, the, the truth that you stand on. Allow your faith to impact who you are. In James chapter 2, James makes this whole argument that faith changes our life. That to say, hey, I have Jesus Christ or I believe in Jesus, but it does not change your life. James says that that's not real faith, that that is dead, that is not life-changing or life-giving. James says even the demons in hell believe that there's a God. Remember, the demons in hell used to be angels. They've seen God. They've worshipped Him face-to-face, and yet they still rejected Him. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's a God and there is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They know more than us or greater than us because they've seen it firsthand. And yet they do not have faith. They've not trusted Him. They're still demons in hell. And the idea here is it takes more than just saying, hey, I believe in Jesus, that the genuine faith produces a change. James says that faith without works is dead. Not that we earn our faith by our works, but when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, it affects who we are. When I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, my citizenship changes. No longer am I just a citizen of this world, but I'm a citizen of heaven. My king changes. No longer do I seek to be the one that controls and dominates my life, but I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because I have been adopted into a new family, I have a new father. And because of this new kingdom, this new father, because of this new relationship, there are expectations placed in my life now that I don't live like the one who is an outsider to his kingdom, that I don't live as one who is not a part of his family, but I live as his child. I live as the one who follows him. I live as the one who knows him. And so there should be a difference in the life of someone who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the life of someone who has not. There should be a difference. What we value should be different. Our focus should be different. Our, our morals should be different. Uh, our, our worship should be different. And the closer we get to Jesus, the farther we go along in our faith, that difference should be more obvious and more um, blatant. Because the closer we get to God, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we learn of Him, the more we love Him, it changes our lives. 
You cannot know Jesus Christ and know Him well. You cannot know Jesus Christ and love Him and follow Him without it changing who you are. So as Paul writes, so walk in Him. You've received Him as Jesus Christ. You've received Him as Lord. So walk in Him means let your life be different. Let your words be different. Let your thoughts be different. Take who you were before you knew Jesus Christ and look at yourself now. There should be a difference. If you've been a Christian for the last 30 years, take yourself now and look at yourself five years ago. There should be even a difference there. Because the closer we get to Jesus, it impacts who we are. If you can say, look, I've been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and yet your, your words and your mouth and your mind and what your eyes look at, if it looks exactly like everyone else, especially those who don't know Jesus, then there's a problem there. You either have not matured spiritually, or as Paul tells uh, the church in Colossians, you need to examine your heart to make sure that you're of the faith. Because to say, I know Jesus, and it does not change our life, that is not an option that is given. So we are to walk in Him. And as a sales point, let me just throw this in there. Uh, If you are a new Christian, or even if you've been a Christian for 30 years, and you say, you know what, I'm struggling with kind of, I'm I'm a Christian, what are the next steps? In January, we're going to have a class on Sundays at 5 that is going to take you through those steps. If you're interested, see me or see Jeff Brewer. Okay, now we'll get back to the sermon. All right, next. So verse 6, he says, Therefore you receive Christ Jesus as Lord and walk in Him. Verse 7 kind of tells us kind of what that looks like or gives us some of the basis of that. It says, rooted and built up in Him. The stronger our foundation, the stronger our faith. Rooted and built up. There's two illustrations that Jesus uses here. Rooted, the idea of of a tree, the idea of a plant. Now, this idea of a a tree and having our faith or having our our, our relationship with Christ kind of pictured as a a tree is kind of scattered throughout Scripture. It's kind of a, a frequent picture that God uses. And the idea here is as a tree grows, Not only does it grow upward, not only does it grow outward, but it also grows in depth. Those roots begin to go deeper and deeper. And those roots grow so they can grow, they gather nutrients. Those roots grow or grow deep in so that they can strengthen the tree so that the tree does not topple, so that the tree does not fall down. And so the idea here is that we want to be rooted in Jesus Christ. So as we build our life, that our foundation is Jesus. And that we want to go deeper in knowing about Him and learning about Him and loving Him and following Him because that's going to help our roots grow deeper so that we can stand against difficult times. Listen to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So this is what he is like, the one who who trusts in God and follows God's commands. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. 
The idea of that tree that is planted by the waters that has roots that has gone deep, that is being fed, roots that have gone deep, that strengthen up the tree. The stronger our foundation, the stronger our faith. He also uses the idea or the picture there of a building. And a building is only as strong as its foundation. You can build the nicest house with the the fanciest fixtures, with the most uh, ornate and expensive uh, appliances or things on the inside. But if the foundation is off, or if the foundation is weak, if the foundation is not strong, then no matter how nice that house or that building is, if the foundation is off, the foundation begins to shift, or the foundation begins to break, or the foundation begins to fall apart, then that whole house is going to be impacted by the failure of that foundation. As Jesus, or as Paul gives this teaching, as Paul says this, the idea here is that the building is our life. Who we are, what we stand on, what we value, what we, what we love, how we love, how we live our life. That is the building, and it is built on a foundation. So the question is, what is the foundation? Because there's going to come times in life when... When wind and waves and, 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 and storms hit our life and hit that building, and the shingles might get ripped off, the, the siding might get ripped off, the house might get damaged, but the foundation will always stand. The foundation will always be there. Our foundation does not shift because Jesus Christ, because God is the same today as He was yesterday, as He will be forever. And so He does not lie and He does not change and His promises are true so we can trust Him and we can build our life on Him. In Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus finishes out the Sermon on the Mount where He kind of gives all these things about how we are to live and who we are to be, He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. It had a solid foundation. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. If you want a strong life, you have to have a strong foundation. Your bank account is not a strong foundation. Your education is not a strong foundation. Your family is not a strong foundation. The only thing strong enough for us to build our life on that will not let us down, that will not let us go, that will not let our life crumble upon itself in destruction is Jesus Christ. Everything else is shifting sands. He alone is the firm foundation that our life should be built Upon. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever to the day of eternity. Our foundation is solidified. Our roots grow by us growing in the knowledge and the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Christianity is not about believing harder. It's not about doing better. It's not about being better or being more moral. Now, as we grow in our faith, 2 Peter tells us uh, that yes, morality is a part of that. And yes, we will believe more. But all that comes secondary or as the byproduct of us growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want your foundation to be solid, if you want your foundation to be firm, you have to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who God is, what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, and what that means for my life. What does it mean for me that God shows me grace? What does it mean for me that my sins have been forgiven? What does it mean for me that I've been adopted in this family? What does it mean for me that Jesus Christ died? What does it mean for me the things that Jesus taught and the things that Jesus said? What does it mean for me that God is holy and righteous and just and uh, uh, wrath and... Um, eternal and uh, without limits and without boundaries and He knows all things. What does all of that mean? Because the more we grow in the grace and the knowledge, trusting in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the stronger our faith becomes, the stronger that foundation becomes. And so that's how our life is built. Not by us trying harder or doing better, but by us loving God more. Because what we said before, if you love God and the more you love God, that will impact who you are and how you live. Next, we see that our faith is strengthened through our dependence on Christ. He says, and established in the faith. That established means uh, to be strengthened. That established means to be made firm. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, I don't talk a lot about the Greek language uh, just because it's always in the sermons, but it's, it's not something that we want to point out all the time. Um, but there's sometimes the different words have different, uh, if you know English, there's, there's tenses and voices and everything like that. Well, the word established there um, has, uh, is written in the passive voice. Meaning that our established or the strengthening of our faith is not built on what we do, but it's built by Him. And it's built by us trusting Him. And it's built by us following Him. It's built by us depending on Him. It's built by us turning to Him in prayer when life is difficult. It is built on us turning to Him when we have sinned and fallen short and asking for His forgiveness. It is built by us spending time in His Word, learning who He is and what He desires for our life. Our faith is is established. That foundation is established. It is made firm. It is made more strong. Not by us going and doing things in our own power or our own ability, but it's done by us being dependent on Him by knowing Him more and trusting Him greater. And then finally, we're going to close with this, that our faith moves us to thankfulness. He says, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught Abounding in thanksgiving. Now, the natural state of our faith is is being thankful. Here's what I mean by that. When we begin to, to comprehend the foundation of our faith, then it should automatically move us to being thankful. And, and, and the way that Paul has laid this out is it's a thankfulness that's not built on our circumstances, but it's built on that foundation. 
So he starts off, he says, uh, talking about what we have received uh, through Christ. So when we understand the gospel, when we understand um, the, uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he died on the cross, that he has saved us, when we understand what Jesus has done for us, that drives us to being thankful. Thankful to God for his love. Thankful to God for his grace and his mercy. Thankful that Jesus Christ took our punishment and took our place. When we understand the concept of walking with Him, that yes, that impacts our life, but also the idea of walking with Him, it, it, it shows relationship, that we can walk with Him, that we can be with Him. When we understand the relationship that we have with, with God in Christ Jesus, it drives us to be thankful that the God of all creation would want to have a relationship with His creation Even though I fail, even though I mess up, even though I fall short, God still wants to know me and love me and be be close to me so that I will trust Him and lean on Him and depend Him and love Him. When I understand that, that should drive me to thankfulness. When I understand that my salvation is not based on my, my, my salvation, my foundation is not based on my works, it's not based on my efforts, but it's based on who Jesus is. That drives me to thankfulness because I understand that I am a, a sinner. And I understand no matter how good I try to be, even as a Christian, I still fall short. And if my foundation was built on how good I was, even as a Christian, then my life would be lived in defeat because I mess up. A whole, whole lot. But my foundation is built on Jesus Christ. My foundation is built on who He is and what He has done for me. And so that drives me to thankfulness that I don't build my life on my own goodness or my own achievements, but I build my life on Jesus. And being strengthened in this life through Him. That He is my strength. That He is the one who builds that life up. That I trust in Him. And that He works in my life. He convicts me. He encourages me. He strengthens me to follow Him. As I understand this basis of faith, as I understand this foundation of faith, it should drive me and push me to being thankful. Because I see what God has done for me. I see how Jesus has loved me. Even though I have not earned it and I I do not deserve it. I see everything that He has done for me, and it drives me to praise Him. It drives me to worship Him, and it drives me to be thankful for Him. Now, when I take my eyes off of that foundation, when I take my eyes off of Jesus, then I lose that thankfulness. But as long as I keep my focus set on Jesus, and I remember the gospel, and I remember what He has done for me, and I know the relationship that He's given me, that He wants me to walk with Him, that He's offered through His Word to show me who He is and what He desires, that He has promised to strengthen me, and that my life is not built on me, but it's built on Him, all of that should drive me to thankfulness and worship because... It's not about me. It's all about Him. And the more I realize that, and the more I understand that, the the more the weight is lifted off my shoulders and it's placed on His, which is what Jesus said to do. He said, take my burden. Take my uh, weight because it is light. And it's that idea that He's walking with us and He is carrying the burdens. And He is carrying the weight. And He is carrying the heaviness because He did all of that for us so that we might live a life where we can know Him and trust Him 
Him and follow Him. And we have a foundation not built on our own abilities or our own morality or our own goodness or our own efforts, but a, a foundation to our life that is built on who Jesus is and what He has done for us. And that should drive us to worship and praise and thankfulness. As we've looked at this idea of the foundation of our faith, it's all about Jesus. It's all about who He is and what He has done. So once again, if you're in this room and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, know that God loved you enough that He sent His Son to declare to you this is what love looks like. Know that grace is there. And when God calls, all we have to do is respond to that call. To respond in faith. To respond in thankfulness. To respond in love. Saying, God, I understand that you offer me forgiveness. Yes, I want that. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. And I surrender my life to you. If you're in this room and you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for a year, you've been a Christian for a hundred years. May we never be so comfortable that we forget the power of the gospel. That we forget the, the thankfulness that the gospel brings us. That we forget the, the worship that the gospel inspires in our hearts and our lives. May we never <clears throat> look at ourselves too high that we forget how desperate we are for Jesus Christ. Not just at salvation, but every single day of our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now and thank you for this time that you've given us. Father God, we, thankful, we are thankful for the gospel. We are thankful for Jesus Christ. We are thankful for a foundation that is greater and bigger and stronger than ourselves. Father God, I pray for everyone in this room who does not know you, God, that this might change this morning, that they might place their faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior. Father God, I pray for those in this room who do know you, who are your children. Father God, that you would, um, Father God, that you would remind us daily, Father God, that, that we need you. Father God, we needed you at the cross. We need you every single day for strength. If we're going to walk with you, God, we need your help. And Father God, keep us lovingly humble and dependent on you. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.